Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Irish NFL show in partnership with Pundit Arena. Uh, great to be joined by the usual lads again today and a great guest this evening for us. A very high profile player in the NFL. One of the best players, I, I'd argue, in the last decade, a uh, current uh, Falcon, Alex Mack. Now, Alex, welcome to the show, man. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, fun to be able to, you know, talk to people across the pond. Yes, sir. And I look, think that applies I, for Ireland. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I ask everybody this, Alex, when they come on, right? And I have to ask you as well, man. Have you any Irish heritage? Have you ever been to Ireland? Any affinity to the island at all? I, uh, my wife's actually Irish, so I, I do have some connection there. Person, no, like ancestry myself, but uh, she's Irish, born in Dublin, and uh, so it's, you know, she's got the accent and everything, so she's she's proper Irish. You get a lot of people who say they're Irish in America. It's like, well, it's, it's, actually, is Irish. <laughs> my uh, my first time in Ireland that, or in America, that was exactly it. I, I said we were going to meet some. Uh, we we're heading out. We were going to meet people, and I said, "Oh, they're Irish," and they were. I said, "Oh, great. Where, where in Ireland are they from?" They said, "Queens." I said, "Oh, um, yeah. Oh, that's they're from they're from New York." Okay, I see. Um, so. Where I think there's there's two of us here from um, from Dublin, uh, so uh, we 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 know the and uh, Mark obviously as well, so three. But um, Alex, I suppose one of the things that um, is always interesting for us to hear from players is we watch the college game, we see the the league, the transition from the college game to the pro game. You know, as fans, there's there's so many intangibles that we don't get to see. Can you talk to us a little bit about making that transition from college to the league? So the biggest difference is in college. Like in college, you have some really good players. You'll 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 see them, uh, but you'll see them like for a season. You have one guy who's maybe in your same league, or you just happen to play him uh, in your division and conference. That's the word. Uh, in the same conference as you. And you, you'll play him like one time and the guy's really, really good. And then he'll leave the NFL. And then he's gone, you don't have to play him again. And that guy in the NFL is just some guy, usually. He's just he's just some player who just kind of makes up the team and is not anybody amazing. In the NFL, that guy will be there for the next 10 years. And then if he's, that's if he's good. And you'll see the same great player again and again and again and again. Like you have your own division. You play those guys twice a year. So like I played Haloti Nada twice a year when he was in Baltimore. And he's a really big dude. And he was like one of the best players at Oregon when I was in college. And then he left. And then, you know, I played my college ball and I barely even saw him. Like I, I didn't really, I played him like for a snap as a backup in college and then i had to play in the nfl for the next you know eight years or seven years while we were in the same division and so those guys just don't go anywhere and then they're just really good and they get better and better and better and you just the the, the skill level is great and if you're used to watching nfl games you'll notice i always like to watch like the backside end on defense they just like don't get blocked and then they don't make the play and the play is still, and like the run happens and it like everything works in college somehow because the guys just aren't moving fast enough. But in the pro, like you don't block that guy, like he'll make the play. You get the four yard gain because he catches it on the backside and it, like the, the play is over. So you have to like do something to stop him, but then the safety makes the play. You know, So there's this big chess game with, 
like NFL ball that like happens every week. Alex, just uh, reflecting on your first season in the league with the Browns, you only gave up one sack, one penalty. I, I don't remember it that way. We were not that good. So I, I remember playing terrible and it being awful and me like thinking I was going to get cut any day. So I will, from, <laughs> from a personal point of view, you seem to have had a good season. Can you recall how you felt, albeit not winning many games after that season? Uh, I just remember, like, I was always nervous that, like, you don't know if you're going to be able to play in this level. Like, there's all time, all kinds of people who aren't good enough to play in the NFL. And they, you know, flounder for a year or two, and then they get cut, and then, then it's over. And being a first-round pick, I I had a, a benefit of doubt that I'd, they'd give me a chance to you know, develop, but we fired our GM midway through the season. So it was like the only guy who really hung his hat on me was gone. And so I was like, all right, well, if I don't figure this out, like there's no one who's going to really lose a lot of face if they decided to like cut me. And luckily I, I got the chance to start that year and they put me in and I don't think I was as good as the former center. You know, I, he was, from day one, he was a better center for that. And I think I grew to be a better center and I grew into that player. And because they picked me early, they were able to put me in there and develop me. So I, I was pretty lucky for where I started. I had some really great teammates. I had a great O-line coach who taught me a lot of technique and I had to learn so much. So I just remember that first year just being like a, a blender of things, just trying to pick up as much as I could, learning from the older guys just trying to make it. And then the seasons go so long. Like in college, you play 10, 12 games. We play 16 here and they're just nonstop every, every week. So it was, it was a tough year. I remember being really exhausted by the end of it. Yeah. The, the, the infamous rookie wall they talk about Alex, isn't it? Um, so look, you, you were a first round pick as a center, which is a little bit unusual. So that comes with its own pressures, but You've had some great accolades during your career. Obviously, you're a six-time All-Pro, um, uh, sorry, six-time Pro Bowler, made the All-Pro team on a number of occasions, started off on the All-Rookie team your first season. But you also won a very particular trophy, the William V. Campbell Trophy, back in 2008. Now, Peyton Manning's a former winner of that, and Justin Herbert won that in 2019. But for viewers who probably are less familiar with that, could you just take us through and explain a little bit about that trophy and what it signifies? Yeah, that was a pretty cool honor. Uh, that back when I won it, it was the Dratty Trophy, and it's it's called the Academic Heisman. So it's the best academic and football player. And they invite you, they flew us out to New York City, and they had like a big you know ceremony, and they did the College Football Hall of Fame induction, and so it was all this big you know fanfare. And I remember just seeing some of the other guys and where they other players that were up there and who they were. And, you know, we had a keynote speaker from, I think Harvard or Yale was a player and he did an amazing job speaking. And I was like, wow, these guys are really impressive. And then I won and I was like, whoa. <laughs> so it was a big honor to be considered that good of a player. And also I, I always took academics very seriously. So also to have all the hard work I did that didn't matter in football also to be acknowledged was, was really good. And I think it's, it's powerful. I was very happy to have that trophy. Alex, I, you know, obviously going in the first round of the NFL draft is one thing in any year for anybody. It's an incredible, incredible achievement for anybody. But how is, what's your viewpoint been on this year? Because we were sitting in April, May going, will there be a season? And they obviously pulled the draft off online. 
what do you think, you know, just going from your own memories of being drafted on draft night, do you, did you feel sorry maybe for the players this year when they didn't get to at least experience that because it was very virtual? See, I would never recommend anybody go to the draft because I think you can only go there and look stupid. So, like, it's always a bad idea. Like, unless you know you're the number one pick and it's signed, I wouldn't go. Because if you're the number one pick and you fall to number three, well, then you're just, like, sitting at that chair and they're recording you and you're, like, sitting there looking at your phone. You know, just, just stay at home. Just stay at home. Don't, don't have anybody because it's stressful enough. Like, you don't know where you're going to move to. You don't know who's going to take you. You don't know where you're going. The draft now is the first round's only the first day. And then I think maybe the second or third or the second day. But you, if you're maybe, a, you know, third round pick, maybe a fourth, you're like, you could just be waiting for, you know, three days straight. And then nobody could call you. And then you're just, you know, you brought all your family out and everyone's sitting there and they're going to talk to you. And I, like, Try to make it as small a thing as you can because it's stressful and it's your future and like you should celebrate, but celebrate quietly and without any cameras and with like a small group of people because it's going to be a real stressful time. I remember I, I was supposed we projected me to be picked twenty to forty, so I was going to be bottom of the first, hopefully top of the second, and I remember like the first fifteen picks take a long time and people were like like texting me and like get off I like get off my phone like I need it <laughs> and uh you had to just kind of sit there and wait and then right as like picks you know 18 started like it was like just really stressful and I got picked 21 so I had to wait for like three picks till we really thought I was gonna go but that would have been that would have been awful having to wait there to pick 40 in like 20 like twice the time just waiting there and what, what's going on, we're going to go. And like the, all that pressure is just going to be really tough. And then you celebrate and you're, it's great because you, you know, we're going to live, you, you have a team, your future is kind of, kind of rolling. You, you, it's the start of your next venture. And that's another big point. It's the start. Like you're not, you haven't made it yet at all. You have tons of work in front of you from that point on. And you see some guys who show up thinking they've arrived and that's not the case because you're going to quickly realize that, it's a professional game and you have some work to do. Well, you definitely continued to, to put in the work when you got to the league and, and you weren't alone in that respect in, in Cleveland, obviously Joe Thomas, um, Mitchell Swartz, you three guys there who are, you know, you're, pro, you're all potentially future hall of famers. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it was like playing with those guys? I was really lucky. Like we had a really good group of guys and we all came right around the same time. We, we got about five years together. I was with Joe for seven, Mitch for five, I think. And I played with Mitch in college too. So I knew him from then. Um, and it was just a, a real good group of guys. I still can stay in touch with all those dudes. And it's a close bond and we had a really good line. And I think one of the things that was special, we, we were again, not on very good teams. Like the, the Browns are not very good during those years, but because we were not very good, like we were just constantly working and trying to get better and really like honing in on the details to figure out how do we, like, how can we change, switch this around and how do we get better? And so we actually worked really hard and we got really good and we paid a lot of attention to the details and, we were a group of guys that really put in the work. And I think we all benefited from that for becoming really good players 
because we wanted that success. We wanted those wins and it just, it didn't really happen for us, but we took the benefit for ourselves to become great players. Alex, the, the league has evolved so much since you started throughout the years. Is there any particular things from where you are today, from where you were when you started that you think has changed so much from a player, from a player standpoint? It's um, pretty different. I don't know if I've just gotten older and so I've matured, but I, I definitely feel like there's just a bunch of young kids showing up and like you try to like get them on board and try to like teach them this real job and you have to work hard and it it's tough. Like it sometimes it feels like the young guys just show up and they, they think like they've arrived. And I don't know if like we're just being soft as veterans on them or <laughs> just the attitude of the younger generation. But I've been playing for twelve years. So like it's been a, over a decade since I was a rookie. Um, going back to those rookie days, um, Alex, as well, and you mentioned Joe Thomas there. He was quoted at one point of saying, it's truly unfathomable how many questions you could ask in a day. So I'm going to ask, is it urban legend or is it true that there was created and instituted the Alex Mack rule? In that was only in the weight room. The, the, the weight coach <laughs> was very adamant. I had one question a day because I was just wrecking his head. Uh but I wanted, like, I wanted to get on. I wanted to get up to speed as quick as possible. And he, at the time, really, and I think it benefited me to some extent, because he was like, "Listen, like, you guys don't know anything. You're all from different college backgrounds. I got to teach you how to lift weights from square one." I was like, "Okay, like, teach me. Like, let's let's move this on. Let's get going. I like, I need to do stuff. Like, he wouldn't let us put any weight on the bar for like two, two, three weeks or something. We just like air squatted." until we had like the technique down. And I was like, I, I, what am I doing wrong? Like, let's speed this up. Like, what do, what do I need to know? How can I get this going? Like, how can I, like, what, like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? What about this? How do I do this one? And he's like, that's it, no more. I can't do it, like, no more questions. So that, that's where that came from. And then I also asked a lot of questions in meetings. Like I was a center and I'm supposed to be making all the points. And I, to this day, ask a lot of questions. So I, I do ask a lot of questions. I do, chase a lot of ghosts as we call it like just constantly in, in meetings and film well what do we do if this happens what if we, this happens why are we doing this way what do we like i i'm pretty inquisitive and one thing that changed for you i guess was going from cleveland to atlanta and i guess going from the regular season to having a playoff experience alex and you know looking at cleveland for a very brief second fantastic achievement for them last weekend and we're really pulling for them all the way this weekend i am as a broncos fan anyway but where do you, um, you know, what's the difference, Alex, between a regular season game and a postseason game? You know, just going in that whole prep, you get there on that Monday morning at the training facility. What's the difference in that week's buildup? Like, I want to say that it's not different at all because you're still just preparing for a game. It's the same week. You still have the same amount of time. You keep the same schedule. You're doing, you're doing everything the same. It just matters because it's what everyone's there for. Like you, 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 you fought all season for the chance to make the playoffs, and once you get there, like it's, it's go time. But you should have been go time the whole time. So really, like I think the good the teams that I've been on when we've made the playoffs and we've you know won a couple games into them is that it, nothing really changes. Like you have the same intensity throughout the whole year, 
up into the playoffs and you got hot late in the year and you just kept it up. And so there's a lot of it doesn't change, but and the, the other side of the story is that like, it's way different because it's, it's live or die. It's why you play this. It's like this game really matters. And so everyone's trying that extra effort, you know, everyone's going to be bringing it hard. Like there's no easy game. It, it, like this is when it really matters. And it's also weird too, because everyone's beat up by that time. Like you are beat up, you're tired, you're sore, everyone's a little slower. So it's, it's definitely not what this game is. Like, I think the first month of the year is really tough because everyone's fresh and like healthy and going fast and you've got no film to watch. And by the end of the year, you have a ton of film you can watch. You have, you can really know who these guys are. They've all played a bunch. You, you, you can see what they're doing this season. So it's it's a very different end of the year versus beginning of the year is a very different thing in the playoffs. It it should be the same, but it somehow it matters a bit more. Very long winded answer. No, it was it was really good. And but you have a, a wonderful way with understatement because you didn't just win a couple of, of playoff games. You're one of a, a select group of humans to to get to play in a Super Bowl, and obviously didn't turn out the way four of us would, would have wanted. But can you talk to us about the experience of playing in, in the Super Bowl, everything that goes on in the, the build-up and actually walking out onto the field? Uh, it was pretty big. Like, I, unfortunately, I, I broke my leg in the, the NFC Championship game. And so it, it broke it, you know, I think it was the, either the second quarter, I think. And I remember, like, being on the sideline and being like, I, I don't know, guys. Like, I was, they thought it was like some ankle stuff. But I remember like twisting my knee around on the sideline and feeling like my bone click around. Like, God, I think that's my bone. Like, I think my leg's broken. I don't know. All right, let's go back out there. But uh, I, I was able to, you know, finish that game. And then, then it hits you after the game. Because before the game, like, my family was like, we're going to come to the, like, game. I was like, why? Like, it's just some playoff game. You know, I just, I was like, blinders on 100%. Like, let's just, let's just play this game. And then if we win, we can, like, really think about what happened. Um, so, got, win, win the NFC Championship game, flying high, going into x-ray, and the x-ray attacks, like, your leg's broken. So, like, crash down. And then doctor comes in like your leg's broken but you can play on it you know so like back up but i spent the next two weeks leading up to the super bowl really just getting treatment like i i didn't like head down didn't really go out didn't leave the training room didn't leave the hotel much and just got treatment nonstop. like trying to get as healthy as i could for that game and it just kind of like i couldn't wait for the game to start because i wanted to get that like get it in so I, I took a moment to like look at the field and be like, wow, this is cool and try to soak it all in because it, it was a lifelong dream of mine to be able to play in that game. I didn't get to win it and that, you know, soul crushes, but it, my life would be no different having won, having lost. Uh, I obviously try every day to get back there, but uh, it it was a powerful moment to be able to at least get there because it's so hard and it's such a luck thing. You know, it's, it's so lucky that you know, you happen to be on the team that was able to assemble those pieces. And I really do think that like GMs deserve a lot of that credit because it, it, it is hard as a player, like no matter how good I play, 
I need my teammates and I need them to play good. So it's like a lot of management and coaching really deserves a lot of credit for assembling that team, getting them motivated, having them on the right page. And that's what it takes to win, win those games and get there. It's, it, it's a group game. It's, it's pretty brutal in some ways. You know, I could work as hard as I possibly can, but I need teammates. I need the coaching. I need all that stuff to come together. Alex, you touched on the injury there and you touched on how brutal the game can be. But yet, from our point of view, as fans looking at you throughout your career, you've had such a durable time in terms of injuries. Do you take great pride in that, the fact that you've had such a great career and relatively injury-free? I've, I've done a really good job of avoiding a lot of the major ones. Um, I broke my leg my sixth year, I think, and at the end of that season, and then I, I missed a couple games this year from concussion and COVID. But other than that, I was clear, and I was able to stay pretty healthy and fight through a lot of little injuries. And I, I think it just comes down to being very dedicated and uh, working hard and just keep plugging away. Uh, I think to be good at the NFL level and to be really good at this game, you have to be really boring. There's not like your life is boring. You're not doing flashy, fancy things. You are going to work, being in in the film room, being in the training room, coming home, sitting on the couch, doing it again the next day. Like there's not a lot of fanfare. There's not a lot of flash. Like you are, everything you do is to be good for Sunday. The, the odd player that you've had who goes a different way and actually could have doesn't do what you do in terms of the boring life, do you pull them aside and ask and try to advise them? Yeah, you try to tell guys. I mean, usually you have like rookie orientation and you, you talk to the guys. I'll definitely tell the, the O-line rookies the same thing. But you try to tell people and sometimes they don't listen. And I remember my rookie year, there were some other rookies who were not quite doing this right stuff. I remember telling them like, Hey, like, let's do this or something. And they like mouthed off to me and like, no, shut up. Like I'm going to do my own thing. And I remember like going to one of the coaches like, Hey, I'm like, I don't really have much of a leg to stand on. Cause I can't say like, follow me. I know what I'm doing. Cause I don't know what I'm doing, but like, they're not really listening to me. Like I don't have any, like, I'm not a vet. Like they can't, and the, the coach was like, don't even worry about it let let him do him like he'll be gone if he doesn't want to learn like he'll be cut he'll be done and that's that and he's he was cut he's gone he didn't play a day so like it it self-corrects in that sense if you don't want to work hard if you don't want to do the right thing like you're gonna get cut and then you're gonna be at home um alex you you're alluding there to the the great team that Atlanta put forward um obviously a couple of years ago offensive juggernaut you're playing with players like matt ryan julia julio jones carl shanahan was your coach you know amazing run that whole season and probably in atlanta and since you've been there you've had relative success in that regard you know playoff appearances winning records and stuff i'm just curious because obviously the Browns are very much the story of the town this week and everything. And and you alluded to having a great start there with the coaching, with the O-line, with Joe Thomas, with the, you know, with Mitchell. Do you ever yep. look back on your time at Cleveland and given the, the decades of hurt they've had there, wish you could have been a part of the team to make it to the playoffs for that city? Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I'm really happy for them. Uh, 
there's a, a part of me that's bitter because I wanted to be that team. Like I tried seven years for doing that. And, you know, I did five years, came back for two. And it just was a story of like, they just kept not being able to do it. And at a certain time after my seventh year, I voided my contract and went to free agency and then signed with Atlanta. And I wanted to make sure I could get the opportunity to be on a good team, to win some games. And that very next season, we went to the Super Bowl. So I, I definitely got what I was looking for. I, I wanted to get that personal team success and have that chance. And I devoted seven years of my life every day, working hard in Cleveland, trying to make that happen. And it never did for me, but I'm, I'm definitely happy for that. I still have some friends uh, in Cleveland. I know a lot of the, the equipment staff and the, the different guys around the building. So like, I'm really happy for those those people and the people of Cleveland to get that. And so I'm, I'm wishing them the best of luck and I'd love to see them in the Super Bowl. Um, but we'll see you next Sunday. Alex, I hope it's okay for us to ask uh, just one more question each, if that's all right, man. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, sweet. Uh, you missed uh, the Falcons at Wembley by one year. They went in 2014. You missed the Browns at Wembley in London, uh, or I think they were in Twickenham in 2017. You know, obviously now uh, the game is going internationally and there's a 17th game now. Just your thoughts on the expansion of the international series. And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure if you have played it abroad, but do you regret not being able to play in London or do you think it's a nightmare having to travel over there? Just your thoughts on it, man. I want. I think it's a nightmare going over there. That's what I hear. <laughs> but I haven't done it myself and we were supposed to go this year. I was excited for that and we were supposed to travel there this year and play, I think, the Broncos. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but... I really wanted that chance to be able to you know, play over there. And I was looking forward to it because I played in just about every stadium. I, I haven't played in the new Las Vegas one, but other than that, I've played in every stadium and it's like, pretty fun. Uh, but I haven't been, been able to do the Mexico city one or the London game or and that. And that is something I, I look forward to. I think it'd be fun. I know when I was in high school, I was a long story here, side sidebar. I was uh, not a very big recruit for college ball. And then I, I got to Cal and I was like, wow, if I really try hard, if I really work really hard, one day it would be really cool if I could make it to NFL Europe and be able to play football and see the world. And like, I think that'd be just the coolest thing ever to be able to like go live in Europe somewhere and play football and be able to like take my weekends and do travel and like that would just be the neatest thing ever and it kind of overshot the mark because I you know skipped over NFL Europe and went to the actual NFL but I I love traveling I really like that's something I really want to do throughout my life from here on till forever uh, and I thought football was a great way to be able to do be able to see that see the world so like I was excited to play in London and be there and see that experience now, I've been to London, but I haven't played a football game there. Alex, you touched a little bit, obviously, on um, the Browns' win, but that was a game the other night where a lot of attention on the O-lines for different reasons, uh, the opening play reminiscent of, of Super Bowl 48. But 
Um, also, the fact that, that you know, um, the, the Browns line was so beat up. I mean, you had Baker come out uh, afterwards and give that famous line about, you know, he, he had uh, a guy named Blake who he met in the locker room just beforehand. Um, you, you talked about the, the look involved in getting to a Super Bowl, but any thoughts on, on that game the other day and particularly that kind of beat up band of brothers that got the, the Browns through that uh, the, and, and took them over the hurdle? Yeah, I mean, really impressive for them to piece together a line and play through all that change. When we went to the Super Bowl, we didn't have an injury on the line. So it was the starting five the whole season. And that was one of the things that really enabled us to be really good because there was no drop off. We were able to run the ball effectively. And we were playing really well together. So we really learned everything else, like learned from each other and how to play together and really knew how to run a good, good game. Um, and that take that's there's a lot of part about being O-line. It's a teamwork game. It's like you are you together working on blocks, working combos, and using your skills to get the best blocks you can. Uh, so for them to be able to, you know, patch things together and get a guy in there and him to step up and play well is, is impressive against a good good defensive front. Um so it's it's just commendable to them to be able to do that. And I think they were coming out hot with a lot of confidence. And so if they can keep that ball rolling like that, I think they're going to be a force to, to fear on offense. Alex, you touched on some disappointing years in Cleveland and obviously, unfortunately, not winning the Super Bowl. Um, how do you, how do you, from a mind, from uh, your mindset, what's in terms of your commitment to the game going forward? I mean, there doesn't seem to be any plan to retire. How, how are you planning for next season already? Uh, I'm a free agent this year. Uh, I know I, if, we'll see what offers are there. Um, I know it's going to be interesting with this COVID year and the reduced salary cap and what's going to happen with that and where teams are going to have money to spend. I am, you know, long in the tooth uh, offensive lineman. And the benefit about being an old offensive lineman is like, I'll slow down. Like my 40 times probably not quite what it used to be. But, like, no one really cares that I run a great 40. If I was a wide receiver or running back, like, they'd care. <laughs> so I, I have a chance to be uh, to be a very good offensive lineman for many years more. Uh, and we'll see what free agency brings. We'll see what the, the choices are up there and what I want to do. Um, I feel good. I feel healthy. But we'll see if there's the right, right place for me. Well, having watched Seattle last weekend, I certainly think you could go and help them out. I think I could be a really good line, offensive lineman in, in a lot of different systems. Um, it's one of those things that I, I, I've learned a lot of different offenses. I, I don't think I've ever had a offensive coordinator for more than two years. So every two years is like a new system coming in. So I've, I've learned a lot of them. And so it's, it's one of those skills I have now where I can pick up an offense pretty quickly, I think. Um, Alex, we could actually ask you a million and one questions like your favorite quarterback, but I imagine you're partial to Matt Ryan. Could ask you about the playoffs this season, but there are two teams in the division facing off, so I don't want to touch on sensitive topics, maybe. <laughs> actually, you mentioned about being a free agent. One of the things we love talking to players about is getting a bit of an insight into the behind-the-scenes aspects. And you're a free agent this year, but the last time, obviously, you had some contractual matters to deal with. 2014, actually, the Jags offered you a contract, which many described at the time as somewhat of a poison pill contract, because it had that right 
to vitiate your contract or void your contract after a couple of years, and the Browns had no option but to match it. I suppose both then and now, how much an engaged are you as a player around that and those discussions? Or are you very much leaving it with your agents and saying, you guys have these conversations, you come to me when you've got something to recommend or suggest to us? I mean, we th- there was a lot that went into that season and that year. Uh, I know my goal was to try to be the best player I could. And so I signed in Cleveland for five years. They drafted me and I played my five years and we went into the fifth year expecting them to want to re-sign me because I was a very good player. And I was like, all right, fifth year, most likely they'll come at you with a contract. And they never did. You know, we were halfway through the year and they they never, like, they never came to me in training camp. And that little insulting, you know, like I thought I was a good player, like, all right. And then it got to a point where, like, all right, well, I'll use free agency. You know, like I'm, I'm taking the risk into the se- season. Like if I get hurt, it's all on me. Um, and I'll go to free agency and then I'll get my choice. I can go anywhere I want. I have all the options open. And they eventually came mid towards the end of the year with with a, a new contract offer but by that time it's like well i'd give up my choice for only cleveland here like i think I, I think i'd rather go to free agency and either get something close to this contract or beat this contract and get the choice of where i want to go and so we went out and they ended up transitioning tag me which is where that poison pill thing yeah. came from which is the Browns had the right of first refusal if I signed anywhere else. And that their thought was, is that, all right, you want to be free agent? Like, this will give you that choice. You can, get, can go talk to people and get that choice. But really every other team was like, no, can't do it. Not, we're not going to talk to you. We're not really interested in, 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 in bargaining on behalf of the Browns. Like, we, we're not going to waste our time. So it really just like a lot like there wasn't much of a free agency for me. And so we eventually got the Jaguars to come up with that contract, but it was actually, sorry, going long winded. We actually offered the same exact deal to the Browns. Cause we, we came to them be like, listen, like it's a new coach, it's a new GM, it's a new team. Like I've heard this before. I'll give you two years. I'll give you two two seasons. If we if everything's going great, we won't void. We we're we're good to go, and that'll give me some security for injury. It'll do something like things like that. And they said no. We can't let a void happen. Like this, no way. All right. And then eventually we the Jaguars started to talk to us. It was the same kind of story. New team. We're not really sure all right, well, same story. Like, I'll give you two years. Can you, can the Jaguars get this done? Two years, we'll move there. And if you guys also can't get things rolling, then, then we still have the right to void. And they signed it, I signed it, and then Cleveland ended up matching. And so we gave them two years and signed the contract. And after two years, <laughs> we weren't very good again. So we voided and I actually got to go to free agency. I have to say, Alex, one of the perks of presenting or helping to present this show is getting guys on that have been in the league, either legends of the league or guys that are playing this weekend. For example, 
and I have to say, I'm sure these lads would agree, this this conversation, this this interview has been so good, not just on the current season, but just for, throughout your career so far. It's been a pleasure to chat to you, man, and, and, and we definitely uh, appreciate it. And I just wish you all the very best for what hopefully will be a nice, relaxing uh, off-season now for you over the next few months. A little time to sit at home and relax. I know it's like I really wanted COVID to be over. Like I wanted everything to be clear and done. I'll go into season and I wanted as soon as season hit for everything to be like open and clear so I can go and do everything I want. So unfortunately, the world doesn't agree. We're just going to be in COVID for a little bit longer. But uh, hopefully the vaccine comes around and we can get some freedom. So I'd love to go back to Ireland and uh, see some, some more of it. Yes, sir. Alex, Mac, thanks a million. I'm sure these lads appreciate it as well. Thanks a million, Alex. We definitely appreciate it, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Alex. Thanks. Thanks.